This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, this is Jan. You are listening to the Langpreneur podcast and this is a brand new episode with a brand new interview with another interesting Langpreneur. Now you're going to love this episode if you are a teacher or if you have an online following that you are not monetizing yet. Because we are talking to Christina from the YouTube channel Speak English with Christina. Now, Christina used to work as a language teacher at a, at a language training company in France. Christina is from the US, but she has been living in France for a while now. And uh, yeah, after a few years working for that company, she came with the idea to start a blog and later also a YouTube channel just to create some additional resources for her students. Now, it took a few years, but eventually someone contacted her and asked, hey, do you also teach online? And that's where it all started. That's where Christina started uh, teaching online. Teaching became coaching and later she also hired other teachers to help her out. Today she work, um, there are about 15 people in her company who work in her teaching business on a daily basis. So if you are a language teacher and you're wondering how you can charge more, how to scale your business, how to get new clients, how to become more profitable, how to offer more services and create more products for your existing students, and how to gain more students, well, then you're going to love this episode because Christina is going to share everything with us. She's going to share some numbers as well, like the size of her following, number of email addresses. Um, she's going to present her whole product suite um, and share the pricing of the different products. We're going to talk about hiring people. When is it time to, to hire employees or to hire other teachers to help you out? Um, going to talk about the important about the importance of coaching christina has also worked with coaches um how she built the business how she built a youtube channel almost half a million followers on her youtube channel as well and um what else are we going to talk about about software that they use within the company so if you are a teacher and you want to grow your teaching business or you have a YouTube channel, you're teaching a language there, you're not really sure how to monetize it, this interview is going to give you a lot of insights, strategies, a lot of ideas and also a lot of motivation because it's really possible and uh, Christina is the living proof of that. So if you guys are ready, then uh, let's get started with the episode. Just a quick I'm not going to do the sponsorship thing today, but I just wanted to remind you that next Tuesday we are starting with Langpreneur Accelerator, which is our group coaching program. So if you have a language business, you know, you have been doing this for a while and, um, you know, you're not making tons of money yet, then this is the opportunity for you because over the next six months we're going to work in a small group of all the like-minded Langpreneurs and we're going to help each other taking our businesses to the next level. Every two weeks there will be mastermind sessions where you get to learn from and uh, network with other like-minded Langpreneurs. We're going to find the solutions to the problems that you are facing we're also going to design the strategies and if you want to if you want to get feedback on the work that you've been um, on the things that you're working on then the group is there to help you out keep you accountable all those things so if you want to learn more about that then go to accelerator.langpreneur.com um, the only disclaimer here is that you need to be quick because we are starting on the 20th of july that's next Tuesday, depending on when you are listening to this episode, of course. If you are later, if you are listening to this episode after the 20th of July uh, 2020, then um, you can go to the same link, accelerator.langpreneur.com, and then you can, uh, you can join our waiting list. Okay, that was it. Without further ado, here is my episode with Christina from Speak English with Christina. Enjoy. Hey, Christina, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. 
tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah. uh, your business. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so my business is called Very Simply Speak English with Christina. And um, so a little bit about me. I'm originally from the U.S., but now I live in France and I've been here for about 15 years. And I got started in the, uh, let's say, English language teaching industry. Actually, when I was a student doing my master's degree, um, I kind of got a student job teaching English at the local Chamber of Commerce um, and basically just kind of continued along that path ever since. Ah, so what did you study back then? Was this like linguistics or... Um, it was American, um, American history, civilization, and language. So okay, you were yeah. studying that in France. I was studying that in France. Yeah, I, I did my bachelor's degree in French in the U.S. and I did my master's degree in English in France, which makes absolutely no sense, but that's the way it worked out. Ah, so you had this part-time job at the uh, local chamber of commerce. Mm -hmm. What happened after you graduated? Did you immediately start working for yourself, or you no? That was that's actually quite recent. Um, so I, after I got my master's degree, I started working in a, I guess like a, a brick and mortar language training company. Um, mm. You know, there were several of us teachers, and they would uh, the company would send us out to. Um, local companies around the area, you know, and you would, you would do that thing where you travel to maybe like three or four different companies in a day, uh, very tiring dealing with traffic and all of that. Um, a couple of years later, I changed companies, but the next company was very much the same thing. And, um, it's about 2000, about 2014, I think is when I started thinking like, oh, you know, I, I could make a blog to share, you know, interesting things about learning English with my students, you know, my clients uh, that I had through the language company. It was originally just to like, you know, if they had some interesting question, I was like, oh, I can write a blog post about that and I can mm. give that to them and they can share it with their colleagues. Um, and it was really originally just kind of as a, like a fun project because I like teaching English. And um, after a few months of blogging, I was like, oh, yeah, I've got like, I don't know, 100 subscribers or something. Um, I'll ask them, you know, what kind of format they prefer. Do they want to read articles? Do they want podcasts? Do they want videos? And um, they overwhelmingly chose videos. And so I said, well, I'll, uh, I'll, start, I'll start making videos to teach English. And um, fortunately, um, here in Grenoble, where I live, there's kind of a big, um, I guess, like digital entrepreneur community. There's a lot of like co-working spaces and a nice sort of ecosystem for all of that. And I had a, a friend, um, Geraldine from communefrancaise.com, mm. who had been making videos for several years. And I just mm. said, teach me how to do this. And yeah. it started from there, really. Yeah. So when did you start like creating all this content? Are we talking about like five years ago or something? Uh, yeah, it would be about, yeah, about five years ago. Yeah. So you had been working for that language training company for about 10 years. Is, is that correct? Uh, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. So why were you thinking about creating content? You know, like when you started creating this blog and, and these yeah. videos, were you thinking about starting your own business or was this in the beginning just uh, you know a tool to help um, the students that you had at the time it was really sort of just like a pet project you know like a side project for fun I would say um, it was basically because I like you know I'm a language geek I like doing things like writing articles about learning English in my free time um, so it like it wasn't with the objective of creating an online business later on, especially because I was, I'm very much, um, or before I was very much not the entrepreneurial type. It's like, I just want a, a nine to five job with like a steady contract and anything else is really too scary for me. Um, but, uh, because I started making videos on YouTube and of course YouTube is public to the world. Um, people started contacting me and saying, like, I saw your video. I like the way you teach. Do you teach online? Um, and I was like, yeah, I can do that. I mean, how hard can it be to teach over Skype, you know? Um, 
And so it really just kind of progressively started that way. Um, and more and more people started to contact me kind of progressively. Mm. And um, about, I don't know, maybe about a year later, it was quite late, I think, but about, about a year later is when I started thinking, maybe I can also create an online course to sell to people. Cause you know, you see this all over the internet, people creating online courses and selling it and making tons of money. And I said, I, I want to do that. Maybe I can do that too. Um, and so that's when I started to create my first online course was about a year after I had been making videos. Yeah. And just to give the listener some perspective here, yeah. how big was your audience at the time? Because you, um, after one year, not after one year, I think it was I don't know, like 500 subscribers or something. It was pretty small, actually, I think. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, pretty small. And it was mostly the clients that I had face-to-face. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I made this video. You can sign up. I'll send mm-hmm. you a new video every week. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, that first year was, you know, quite a small thing. So when did you actually get to the stage where you decided to start your own business? Um, I think that, you know, I was very lucky um, in that the company that I was working for um, was very supportive of the projects that I was doing. Like Mm. they would share my videos with their clients and things Mm. like that. Um, And so they basically, as I got more and more requests to work directly with my own clients from the internet, um, I was able to progressively reduce the hours I was work I was doing with this company until it came to a point where I was like, I think I can let the company go and I think I can do this all myself now. Um, and so I think that was maybe about, I don't know, two, maybe about two, two and a half years or something like that. Okay. So two and a half years in, you had an online following people were asking you to well to teach them one on one like how many hours per week were you teaching for example what does it take to build you know for anyone who is a teacher and who will who wants to start their own business like what is realistic here how long does it take to to mm. build a, you know a, a following and get enough requests to actually live of this yeah know, of a project um, like this you know i would say that probably that process probably took about three years, hmm. something like that. Yeah, I, I would say three three years. I'm, I'm like looking at my calendar to see kind of like in the past, and it's, and it's absolutely crazy, in fact, um, how many hours I was working with people just a few years ago. Um, but I would say, yeah, it was probably about three years to get to a point where I was like, okay, this is, you know, um, reliable enough for me to say this this is my job this is what i do yeah yeah and how big was your your following at the time um so it kind of grew like right now um just a, like some some statistics for the youtube channel i think it's at 425,000 subscribers the email list is quite smaller it's about 30,000 but we clean it Mm-hmm. You know, regularly, about every three months, we delete about 3,000 people. Um, so I would say about two and a half years into the business, two and a half or three years into the business, we were maybe at, uh, I think it was maybe fifteen to 20,000 email subscribers. Yeah. Because that's what counts in the end, right? You know, it's, uh, I, I would say the email subscribers are definitely more likely to buy something than the YouTube subscribers, at least in, in my experience. That might not be the same for everybody, um, but in my experience, that's, yeah, yeah what it is. Hmm. Well, today you run, you run a real business. It's not just you, you know, working as a freelancer, teaching people one-on-one. Tell us a bit, little bit about what the, uh, what the business looks like today. Right. Um, so now there, we actually have this entire like product suite of different offers um, for people. And it's, you know, starts off with like kind of a very small ebook, um, ebook and audiobook. Um, then we've got a conversation group. That's the Faster Fluency Conversation Club, which is a monthly subscription program. Um, then there's a, a couple of different, you know, self-study online courses. Um, 
And then as they move up, they can do individual lessons uh, with some of the teachers that I work with. Um, they can do something that's more like, you know, business English coaching. And then I am a um, neuro language, certified neuro language coach. So then if they want to do neuro language coaching with me, um, that's sort of like at the top of the product suite. Yeah. Okay, so you offer lots of different things, well, digital products, but also one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one lessons. When uh, did you get to the point where you decided to hire a first teacher to help you out? Um, so I think that came when uh, I had, it actually was, it started because I had one client um, who wanted to do individual lessons with me, um, but then she was like, oh, but I also just want, you know, some conversation practice. I, I don't want to prepare any homework or I just want somebody to talk to. Um, and I said, you know what? And I was thinking, I was like, well, it doesn't really make much sense for me to be doing the coaching work and then also to, to be doing the conversation practice. Um, I think it would, it's more interesting for me and for the client to have sort of separate people for separate ways of learning. Um, and so I actually contacted um, Kara who does Leo listening uh, just because we had, you know, we knew each other from the online English language teaching world. Um, and I said, I've got this, this client who would like to do some conversation sessions, like 30 minutes, just once a week. Would you be interested? Uh, and she's like, yeah, I, I can do that. Um, and so that was how, like, I first started working with another teacher. Mm -hmm. That was, yeah, I would say the first. Um, and for a while, it was just that, in fact, yeah. Mm -hmm. How big is the team today? Um, so today we've got um, two teachers who are based here in France, plus a communication coach who is also based here in France. Uh, one teacher who is based in Vietnam. One teacher plus one coach based um, on the east coast of the US. Yeah. Yeah. So that's wow. me plus six teachers or coaches. Yeah. Yeah, well, that just demonstrates what's possible when, well, when you have a following, right? That really cares yeah. about your content, that follows you, that mm. wants to engage with you. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about, bring us, take us back to on your journey. Sure. So you hired your first teacher or you started working with Kara in this case, mm -hmm. and from there on, what happened, what happened then? And so from there on, um, so I was also kind of around this time starting that that conversation group program the faster fluency conversation club and we started out with it was three sessions every week um, for the students and you know I was, I was like, kind of like I didn't want to run all three sessions every week uh, and again for the students it's just nice for them if they have somebody different than me because they're already watching my videos learning from my cor courses etc um, and so I, I asked Kara, um, since we were already working together, I was like, would you like to lead one of these group conversation mm -hmm. sessions? Um, and she was like, yeah, sure. I show me how to do it. Um, so I trained her to do that. And then she introduced me to another teacher that she knew, uh, Trisha, um, who does vagabond English. And so then we had our three conversation groups and it was like Kara's one day, Christina's one day and Trisha is another day. So the, the students were getting a different teacher um, in every session, which was quite nice um, just for variety. Mm -hmm. How do you attract so many clients? I mean, I know that you have a huge YouTube channel, mm -hmm. but how did you build this channel? Like was the YouTube channel uh, or is it still your biggest focus? Is that, still, is that where the most clients come from? And how did you manage to build this, this channel? Like any mm. s specific strategies that you, that you used or? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's actually, it's a lot of work. I would say like the, the videos is really like the tip of the iceberg here. Um, but it is, you know, consistency. Um, we pretty much, I've pretty much done a video every week for about the past four years, I think. Um, take a break in the summer, like during one month. But other than that, it's just, I mean, consistency, consistency. One video every Tuesday for the past five years. Um, and I think it, it's also, you know, YouTube is very good at giving you a lot of metrics on your videos. And like I actually 
just finished um, a couple of weeks ago an entire course on how to do better YouTube videos, and but mm -hmm. also how to understand the analytics to see what's working, to see what's not working, um, to see you know how do you keep the viewer on your video, and it's it's a combination of looking at the analytics and the data, but also talk just talking to the people who are watching your videos. Um, and so one of one of the things that I do quite often. Um, is whenever somebody joins a one of the paid programs is maybe put together some kind of maybe it's some kind of group session or you know just some kind of Q&A session but always having that um, I would say in-person interaction with the people so that you're really I would say keeping your finger on the pulse of the questions people are asking yeah. what they're struggling with what they want to do and integrating that into the content of the video so that it's it's what people you know are really trying to learn how to do yeah so the key is to really be engaging talk to your audience know what's going on know mm -hmm. what the struggles are and then talk about that in your videos yeah exactly exactly it's it's you know i think it's um a lot of times we you know think people when they start on sort of the online teaching journey, the online business journey in general, the, the sort of holy grail is like passive income. I want to just create an online product and I want it to automatically sell itself yeah. and generate all this money with me sitting on the beach every day. Um, yeah. And I think that definitely has a place in the online business, but I think it's also important that you don't lose touch with, yeah, yeah I mean, the people who are buying and who are learning with your products because you want to create the products so that when they they look at it and they say wow this looks like it's for me and it would help me when they actually get it and they do it they say wow this is awesome this is fantastic yeah. um and i think that comes from just really getting to know your audience yeah yeah so there is not really a shortcut here like many people i mean i do these consultation calls quite often and I ask the people so what what do you want like what's the goal in your business mm. and you know people are saying similar things well i just want passive income i just want to go wherever i want whenever i want i don't want to worry about money you know and it's all possible mm. but as 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 you say in order to get to that level in order to create courses that people buy and that people like that they write good testimonials for mm. I really need to have that understanding and, and, to, and to grow the audience in the first place. You yeah. really need to have an understanding of, of the customer, right? Right. Yeah. So, and so I, that's what you, what you focus on when it comes to. Yeah, I would say, I know it's, it's, you know, it's having the understanding, which I mean, you can get that through like sending out a survey and reading their answers. Um, but I think it's also, I think more and more people are also looking to make a connection with the person um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to only do lessons with you um, because like that's not what happens, you know, in my business, they could do lessons with me, but also with any of the other teachers. Um, but I think it's just the fact of knowing that there's someone who is like there and not available 24 seven, but someone who's there and who's accessible, um, you know, and, and who is, I guess, present in the learning process mm -hmm. there are hundreds of youtube channels where people can learn english yeah. your channel is one of the bigger ones mm. what what are you doing differently than than all the others do you have any idea is it that engagement is it something I, else you know honestly um i don't know because i kind of i look at other people's channels who are way bigger than mine and I'm like what are they doing <laughs> you know why do they have four million subscribers <laughs> and i've only got four hundred thousand um, and I think, you know, I think it's, I, I don't think I have like the magic formula or some secret sauce or anything. I think it's just consistently showing up, being there, um, giving people the things that they need. And I think it just, I mean, it just comes from, yeah, that's, is that cycle of listening to people, creating content that answers the questions or helps them solve the problems that they have, and repeat, 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 repeat. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there are multiple ways to monetize a YouTube channel. Some mm -hmm. people do sponsorships. Some people make some money from AdSense. Right. Um, how does that compare to selling courses in, in your experience? Um, you know, the only, the only 
direct way that I monetize the YouTube channel is by activating the ads on the videos, um, which honestly, I mean, it doesn't bring in, it's like 300 euros a month or something. It's not, it's not a huge, you couldn't, I couldn't live off of it. Um, but I kind of see it as just like a bonus. It's like, I'm, I'm going to upload a video anyway. Um, like a tipping jar. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly. It's like, I'm giving you all this free content. You can wait five seconds until you can hit that skip ad button. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, kind of like a tipping jar. That's a very good way of describing it. Um, whereas with the online, um, course launches or selling coaching programs or training programs, I mean, there you're, we've had, you know, kind of smaller launches, which have been around 3000 euros up to bigger, you know, bigger ones. Um, we haven't quite hit, we haven't cracked the like six figure launch yet. Um, but we've definitely gotten, you know, up into like the 20 or 30, uh, thousand euro range for some launches, not all of them, but, um, definitely it's more, I would say a more, it's just a more reliable way of making money. I would say than YouTube ads, which I mean, YouTube can like flip some switch on the algorithm and you're getting no more monies. And so I, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Well, you need lots of skills to run a business like your business. Mm. I mean, you need to manage a teacher, um, content creation, of course. There's mm. also some marketing, copywriting. There's lots of skills that you need in, if you want right. to make this work. Um, do you do everything yourself? And um, what what is your focus in the business? And when do you decide to hire someone? Yeah. Um, so I definitely started out doing everything myself. Um, and I think very quickly I realized that I could not do everything myself. Um, so now I think there's, it's about, I think we have about 15 people, um, at any given time kind of working on the different projects. Um, but started out the first two people that I started working with were a video editor and a virtual assistant. Um, Video editing, because I was like, this is not my skill. The videos I'm editing are looking like crap and it's taking me 10 hours to do a five minute video. Um, So the first thing was a video editor and then a virtual assistant was really started out to be something very simple. It's like, can you just upload the blog post onto WordPress every week? Um, but now my assistant, um, Marika, who is like fantastic, she takes, she like responds to email inquiries that we get. Um, whenever people have tech problems, like they can't figure out how to log into a program, she helps them out. Um, so it went from video editor, virtual assistant, um, bringing on teachers, uh, working also with content creators to help out with like the structure of the video or the content of the video and then also coaches that I've worked with along the way. Um, Mm -hmm. one of whom I'm still working. I've been working with like consistently for about the past three years. Mm -hmm. Before we start talking about the coaching, um, the, uh, the people you work with, are those all freelancers or yes, relationship with them? Yeah, Yeah. they're all freelancers. Um, some of them I found on Upwork, um, and some of them have been through, um, just word of mouth, contact, um, things like that. Yeah. When do you decide to hire someone? Someone Um, I think it's, I would say when it's, when I kind of feel like I'm not doing a very good job at something, like if I'm working on something and I realize it's taking me a really long time and I just feel like it's, it's like pulling teeth. I'm thinking, there's somebody who can do this much better than me. And then I'll maybe start looking for somebody who can take care of that. Mm-hmm. Oh. You, you briefly mentioned uh, coaching there. Mm-hmm. Um, how important has coaching been for you in this process of building a business? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, coaching is not, I would, well, it's, it's, it's an, ex- it's quite an expensive investment generally. Um, but it's definitely been one of the most worthwhile investments, um, that I've made simply because, um, you know, it's like you're, you're so much in your business. It's almost sometimes like you can't see the things that you need to do. Yeah. Um, you don't know where you're going. You don't know how to, 
you know, set goals or measure uh, the progress and measure and see like where to look to see what's working and what's not working. Um, someone who's going to like push you to maybe do the things that you would kind of be like, yeah, I know I need to do that, but I don't have time because I need to like write this blog post or something. Um, and so I would say that it's for me, I feel like if I didn't have um, the coach that I'm working with and I wasn't doing training regularly that I would just like be navigating blindly. And I think that would um, definitely slow down the process of sort of growing the business, but also just make it a lot more frustrating. Mm -hmm. How, like I also connected to other people who do something similar to you. And like you said, uh, at the co-working space, you have mm -hmm. someone uh, that you work with on a regular basis. How important has that been for the business? Uh, yeah, same, yeah, same thing. Um, I think the, the person that I work, um, that I exchange ideas the most closely with is, is my friend Geraldine, because we do work in the same co-working space and we basically do the same business, but she's teaching French and I'm teaching English. Mm. Um, and so it really helps because we can, you know, look at what the other person is doing. Mm. We can look at what's working for them, what's not working for them. Um, and it means that we don't have to like reinvent the wheel every time. Like a, a very good example um, is I've got this conversation group, uh, the Faster Fluency Conversation Club. And she's like, how did you, how did you do this? How did you build this? Who does what? Um, can I create the same thing in French? And I'm like, yeah, yeah do it. And yeah. so like today she, she went into one of my sessions to just observe and see yeah. how it works so that she can create the same thing for her learners. And I, you know, and I'll do the same thing. Like I'll get into one of her courses and I'll look and see how she does it. And then we'll talk about it. And it just means that you can see what's working and what's not working for someone else. It doesn't mean it's going to work for you because your audience is different, but at least it gives you ideas and you can understand what was the thought process? What do I need to test? Um, what could I change to make it work for my audience? And it's just a lot. Um, it just saves you a lot of time and money, I would say, and headache because you don't have to start from scratch yeah. every time. Yeah, it shows you what's working for others and therefore you have a higher chance that exactly. it's also going to work for you, right? Yeah. So if, if you are listening to this interview and you're thinking, hey, I wish I had someone who is working on similar projects, if you want to connect to other like-minded Langpreneurs, make sure to go to our Facebook group. There is a group on Facebook. It's called mm. Langpreneur Events. And uh, you can connect to all the like miners, Langpreneur mm -hmm. there. Langpreneurs there. Christina is also there. Yeah. And um, before we did this interview, I actually mm -hmm. announced that we were going to have this interview. And we had a question from, yeah. um, from Philip. Mm -hmm. um, one of his, sorry, from Phil. One of his yeah. questions was, as the number of your employees or people that you work with grew, mm -hmm. um, how, did that change, how did that change the business? Mm. Um, I would say from just like my point of view, like the, the work in the business is actually, it became a lot more fun. Um, because instead of it being, you know, me doing all of the work or having to think of all the ideas, it's like, now you've got all these other, you know, very qualified, intelligent people who are into the world of teaching languages online to sort of bounce ideas off of and to share ideas and to say like, mm -hmm. what can, what can we create together as a team um, to, you know, offer something awesome to the students. And so instead of just having it, me being trying to think of the things myself, um, the teachers are saying, well, you know, what about if we did this and we could do this and, Oh, I can, I can do this thing because I really enjoy it. Um, and it just makes it, a, I think a lot more, fun because it's, it's kind of a more social experience of doing the work. Um, and then for the students as well, it means that they get different, you know, different teaching styles, different ways of learning. Um, and yeah, I would say it just brings variety and interest and maybe like depth yeah. um, to what you can offer to the students. Yeah. So it's more, well, I can imagine that it just becomes more social and at the same time you also have more, brain power you know com you've combined brain power yeah. of all the people in a group that 
can exactly. enable you to make better and better decisions. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how do you keep track of everything that's going on in the business and like the lessons that are scheduled? Are you using specific tools for this or how do you communicate with your, um, well, employees or the people you work with yeah. and your students? Um, so for the, for the team, we use Basecamp, mm -hmm. um, which is basically like a team management tool. Um, and so we, you know, kind of centralize all the communications there because it allows you to organize things by teams, by projects. You can store documents. Um, you can do message boards, to-do lists. You can assign, you know, assignments to people to do. And I think that just really helps to manage everything. Um, plus, you know, every, you know, whoever's in those teams can see all of what's going on so they can check and see, you know, like where, where's my present sheet for this student. They can just do a quick search and they'll find that my assistant created the present sheet, put it in this folder and they've got the link to just go and pick that up. Um, so it just helps to keep everything centralized and accessible. Um, I think for everyone on the team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you also using um, like scheduling tools or um, is that, or does each teacher yeah. track of that schedule themselves? A exactly. Yeah. So basically what will happen is um, let's say we have a student who comes in and they've got um, 12 individual sessions with Trisha. Um, so what we're going to do is put the student in contact, uh, with Trisha, you know, introduce them by email, um, give them Trisha's calendar link, um, so that they book directly with her. Yeah. And then on our side, we've got, you know, a present sheet that Trisha's going to just note each session that the student does so we can keep track of, you know, when they've done the number of sessions that they've paid for. Mm -hmm. How free are your teachers? Like, can they teach anything they want or do they have to follow a certain system? It's pretty much, um, you know, before I really got into online, um, like when I was working still in the companies and things like that, I very much got into, you know, dogma ELT, which is this idea of um, basing your lessons on the students' needs, taking the students' materials, the students' situations, and building up your lessons off of that rather than coming in and saying, all right, today we're going to go through lesson number five, um, turn to page 22 or click on this link or whatever. And so it's very much, um, they're very free basically to work on the things that the student wants to work on. Um, you know, each teacher has their sort of own approach and their own resources that they like to use. Mm. Um, we do try to match, like if the student has a specific need, um, this, if the student says, uh, you know, oh, I, I, I work with Americans all the time, we're going to try to put them with an American teacher. Mm. Um, the student says, I really want to work on um, my listening skills, we might put them with Kara because that's what she's specialized in. Um, so we do try to match the teacher, the student to the teacher who has kind of the knowledge that best fits their objectives. But after that, um, like I just, I, I know that the teachers are very good at what they do. And so I trust them to, you know, to just do a good job based on what the students are looking for. I imagine someone listening to this episode, a, a Spanish teacher, someone mm -hmm. who just started teaching online on italki for $7 per hour. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of the things that they can do in order to have more time and mm -hmm. make more money? Mm, yeah. Um, so I think the first thing is to, you know, differentiate themselves from all those other Spanish teachers out there. Um, you know, and differentiating yourself, that can be because you have some kind of specialist knowledge. You know, maybe you are very good at, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe you're good at social skills, teach how to socialize and to network in English. Um, maybe you really like working on presentations, uh, but to do something that's very specialized so that people know you as like the person to come to, to learn this particular skill. Um, and that's going to help you to, I would say, maybe feel comfortable asking for a higher price because it is a very specialist knowledge. It's kind of like the difference when you go to a doctor, if you go to like the generalist, it's kind of a lower price, but if you go to see a specialist, that's a higher price. Um, so that could be one thing. Um, another thing would be also to, you know, I always discourage people from, 
going by the like price per hour model um, because then the, the student in their mind is looking at, okay, I'm, I'm going to pay 10 euros to spend speaking Spanish with this person. Um, but they're not paying you just to speak Spanish with you. They're paying you because they want to improve something. They want to get some kind of result. And so often you, you know, sometimes you can get a result in one session, but generally that's coaching and that's a whole different pricing model. Um, so it, you're, if you put it together as a package and you say like, you know, we're going to work together for three months because we're going to help you to achieve A, B, and C, mm-hmm. you're selling the result and the, the one hour sessions every week are really just the means of getting to that result. But then of course, explaining to the person, you know, you're coming into these sessions, but of course the time you spend with me is not the only time that you need to be doing things because if you want to get these results, you've got to do the work on your side as well. And so helping them to understand that it's not just like one hour of speaking Spanish, it's part of a system to get you to the result that you want to get. Yeah, exactly. People want results, right? If you're just selling your time, then, you know, as you said, they're just paying for your time. Right. And people don't, do not really see that as an investment. But if you say, hey, I have this package, and in this package, I help you to go from, from A2 to B1, from, from mm-hmm. point A to one B, it's just people are more willing to invest in, in, in mm-hmm. that, right? As you right. said, finding a niche, yes, also very important. Um, and then, of course, you don't want to depend on, uh, on traffic from one single platform, right? right? Yeah. So any tips for people who want to build an, um, mm. their own following? Um, yeah, for building, I would say, you know, the, the email list, I think we kind of mentioned this at the beginning, mm. is um, you want to you be able to have the control over, I would say, maybe your core source of clients. So that generally is your email list because, you know, any of the social media, uh, YouTube, Facebook, or whatever, you have no control over who is going to see the things that you publish there. And, and I, like I've just, I've found Facebook, I have a Facebook page for my company, um, which I barely even keep up. I might post a video there when I kind of remember to do it. Um, but I found that, you know, you, you have 40,000 people following your Facebook page, but you see when you post something like, you know, 150 people have seen this and I'm like, what's the point? Um, whereas, you know, if you're sending out the emails, you can much more, you know, be more consistently, um, I would say in front of your audience's eyes so that they're more likely to think of you that they're, you know, they say, Oh, I'm learning English. Christine is the person I'm learning English with. Um, and not just someone they're scrolling past in, you know, whatever social media feed they're looking at. Yeah. In the mailbox, they pay more attention, right? And at the same time, they're more likely to be in bias mode. So you have, you have different kind of courses. You sell digital right. courses, but you also offer, well, coaching, uh, group lessons. Why not just only sell digital courses, for example, so that you don't have to mm. deal with all the teachers? Like, why do you, how do you go about making that decision? Yeah, actually, that, that's, a, that's, that's a really good question. Because when I started out, um, you know, making YouTube videos, getting students online and saying, Hey, this online thing, you know, maybe it could work. Uh, which means, Oh, I, the next step must be to create on, you know, self-study online courses because that's what everybody's doing. Um, and what I've, you know, what I, my feeling I would say, um, is that for English particularly because, uh, because it's such, I mean, there's just like so many resources out there for free on the internet, you know, of, varying quality. Um, but someone who types in to Google, you know, English lessons online or free English lessons online is going to find lots of resources and many very good resources. Um, which means that even though when you're selling an online course, you know, you're not so much selling online exercises as you're selling a clear cut path to get them from A to B, um, where they don't have to Google and search and think and try to put together their own program. Um, Even though that's what you're selling with your online course, 
what I've found through my experience, again, of just like talking to people and getting feedback and seeing what sells best um, out of the product suite is that people want the human contact. Um, they want somebody that they can practice with. They want to speak English. They don't just want to study English. Um, you know, whether that's in a, they're doing the speaking in a conversation group uh, with other students and maybe one teacher, or if they're doing some kind of smaller group program, or if it's an individual program. Um, but what they're really looking for is sort of that interaction being able to just ask their question and get an answer and being able to, I would say to, to use the language the way that you're going to use the language out in the real world. Um, and so what we've actually started doing now a lot is whenever we do a product launch, um, we will of course offer the online course by itself. Um, but they always have that option to get the online course plus a bundle of, some kind of live program, whether it's mm -hmm. the conversation group or individual, um, but something that they can have where they can work through, you know, it's this learning path that we're giving them in the online course, but then they can also come and actually practice and use what they're learning in order to really, I would say, assimilate and uh, to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the biggest lessons that you have learned over the last you know, five years mm. running this, uh, running the business? Ah, good question. Um, I would say that it's, you know, you can, you'll always, no matter, I, th I kind of feel like no matter where you are in your business, you'll always see somebody that you think is doing much better than you. Um, and it's like, wow, they've got it figured out. It must be so easy for them. Um, and they're probably going through the same exact struggles that you are of trying to figure out, like, how does this work? Um, and so I would say just, you know, go at it step by step. Um, and I would say also to, to really focus. Um, this is something that I've just learned recently. It's like pick, you know, one or two maybe, but it's better if you can just focus on one thing. Um, but don't spread yourself too thin. Don't try to you know, oh, I, I'm going to figure out Facebook ads and I'm going to try to optimize my YouTube videos and I'm going to try to build this new program and I'm going to launch a podcast. You know, pick one thing and focus on it until you feel like you've got it good enough um, before you move on to trying to do something different. Um, and I think that is, was definitely my problem at the beginning. It was like shiny object syndrome. Um, oh, a new tactic you know, a new technique, a new tactic, a new strategy, something else to try. Um, and now I'm like, this is the focus for now. Let's focus on that. And when we get that right, we can do something different. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. That's really useful. Yeah. I have two more questions for you. Sure. Um, the first question is, no, I, I just want to, to demonstrate with our listeners here the power of having a brand. Because again, there's lots of people who are teaching their native language on italki for $5, maybe mm -hmm. $10. Like, yeah. show us what's possible. What are like the prices of the courses, the packages that, that you're selling? What, what's mm. possible here? Yeah. Um, so if we <coughs> look at, um, and I'm actually going to pull up my uh, description of the product so I can you know, give you the mm -hmm. right things. Yeah. Um, the ebook, seven euros. Um, if they want to do the conversation club, so that's the monthly, it's a subscription. Um, it's 49 euros a month. Um, and then it's, you know, it's renewable until they decide to cancel, uh, which that's quite nice because it does give you sort of like a, a base income. Um, it fluctuates depending on how many people are, in the program at one time, but at least it gives you something that you know is going to come in. Um, the online courses, those range in price from 129 euros to 297 euros. Mm -hmm. um, and then and when we get... Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, sorry, what is it when they get? Um, and so then when they get into some of the bigger let's say live programs. Um, if they're doing a program that's got the conversation group plus three months 
of individual sessions. So one session per week. Um, we're looking at about 1200 euros. Um, we've got our virtual immersion program, which is, it's kind of a combination of everything. It's like you get a bit of coaching, a bit of individual lessons, an online course and the conversation group. Um, it's a three month program. It's about a little under 2000 euros. And then you get into, you know, the more individual coaching, um, Again, we tend to do three-month packages. Um, if you're doing business communication coaching, we're looking at three about 3,000 euros. And then the neuro-language coaching, uh, 4,500 euros. Yeah. So that's sort of, you know, we go from seven, seven euros to 4,500 euros, um, depending on what objectives you have, how you want to work and to achieve those objectives and the budget of the student as well. Yeah. Well, that's really good to hear that. It gives us a lot of insight in uh, how the business works. So if you are listening and if you are, if you are an online teacher, you know, no matter if you are charging $7 per hour or maybe 30 first of all, congratulations because you have, you have started. That's, uh, mm. that's, that's very important. Yeah. But start thinking about ways to, you know, just as Christina said, to maybe niche down to, uh, you know, think about ways to stand out from the crowd. Um, maybe come with a specific system a method specific mm. approach maybe you teach a specific accent or english to you know for mm. people who want to 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 make a, a better career um and also think about building a following right because you don't mm. want to depend on, on platforms like italki or verbling there's mm. just too much competition there. there's too many uh, other cheap teachers and then if you mm. do that very well consistently then you can build an empire just like Christina did. So Christina, mm -hmm. thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. yeah it's my pleasure. A lot of insights. Other, no, what are, do you have any other final tips that you want to share with our listeners? Um, yeah. I, you know, I would say that it's, and, and I've, you know, I've heard this on several of the other podcast episodes is like to reach out to, I mean, collaborate with other people. Um, you know, there's, so many people learning so many different languages that the other people who are doing the same thing as you, you can see them as partners and collaborators and not necessarily as competition. Um, you know, I always, I always tell my students, I'm like, together we're stronger. And I think that's valid for people who are learning a language, just like it is for people who are learning to build up their business and we can all learn from each other. And it, and it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that someone who's got a lot more followers has the most experience or the best advice because everyone's doing things a bit differently. And, you know, even like I've learned so much from talking to like people who are starting out with their business. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, I never thought of that because I've been doing it for so long. I've forgotten some of these things. Um, and so definitely like talk to other people out there in the network and learn from each other and help each other out because you know, everybody's going to come out a winner if that's what we do. Christina, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Thanks. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.